Well, I didn't realize it. Little Boys uh, Young Men's Night was last week. There's still a step stool here. We just <laughs> I like that. I like that. Isn't it good? Aren't you glad to be here? I'm glad to be here. I hope you are glad to be here. It is a great time and a great day, and I am glad to see your faces. Of course, you know, we, we recognize things maybe getting better and making some adjustments in here. Of course, you can wear a mask in any place you sit if you want to. That's fine. We just ask that if you don't want to wear a mask, not sit in the section where uh, it's reserved for that. And, and as we're making those changes, and we're trying to do our very best, and you know that very well. I was trying to think of something sharp and witty, and then I got distracted by the stool up here, and if I trip and fall over, fall over it before we're done, then uh, just enjoy that, and that'll be sharp and witty. But it, it is a wonderful day to be together. Last week, I told you I want to talk about some, some things. If you were here last week, I want to talk about some things, some kind of fundamental concepts, not just going through primitive or basic precepts, but some fundamental concepts of, of who we are and what we are and what it means to be who we are. And last week we talked about we, we obey God. We take God's word and we just put it into practice. And that's the key element in that. But you know, we cannot really get into this without thinking a little bit about baptism. There is no, no doctrine more prominently presented in the New Testament then the idea behind baptism and the actual act of baptism. I know there are people who've taken it in a lot of different directions, and I, maybe there's great sincerity in all of that, but there is a concept that is there. And I think we understand the idea of baptism. I think we recognize its, its sense in that regard. We, there are even those who, who maybe don't have much connection to Scripture, but they understand it. The simple word, immersion. The simple idea of submitting to God and His will and being baptized. But I want to take you to something a little bit different this morning in that regard as we think about this concept and this practice of baptism and see if it doesn't give it some background meaning that maybe, maybe we haven't always considered in the light of this. You know, we're often taught when you, you're obeying God, you know, you hear His Word, you believe it, confess and be baptized and repent and be baptized and then uh, go about living the Christian life. And we're trying to give some, some, uh, some strength to all of that. But we come to that concept of baptism and when and where and what and why and, and so forth. Always run into our minds. But let me give you something. Going back to the Old Testament. And I call this lesson when they came to the water. When they came to the water. I had a couple of songs in mind, but I'm going to leave those out this morning. We'll save them for another time, and I think they're a little bit more appropriate. But I want you to think about an event that took place in the 14th chapter of Exodus, for the Israelites have just come out of Egypt. They've traveled a ways. They've come down along the shore of the Red Sea, made their way there. And Pharaoh is coming after them. His army is coming after them. Exodus 14, beginning in verse 10. Reading through verse 16, it says, And when Pharaoh, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? 
For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. When they came to the water, you know, when we think about it, there's just really, you know, we can't get away from the importance of water. There's just something about water and the way it impacts our lives and the needs that we have of water and, and all the things that go into it. And, and if you start examining, we recognize that, that uh, 60, they say 60%, about 60% of the human body is made of water. Some of you, I'm not sure, but some, uh, you know, those that are a little more thick-headed. But 60% of the human body is made out of water. Wow. That's kind of impressive, isn't it? Now, somebody's going to come up later and tell me, well, that's not exactly right, Russ. Well, I got that off the Internet, so that's bound to be right. But it also said said that some parts are even more water than other parts of the body. In fact, that the human brain is about, well, some of you, I think it's all water, but 73% water. That gives new meaning to when, the, you know, when we used to play football and you, you'd get rattled and they say, well, they shook his water. Well, yeah, now I understand what they mean by that. All I'm saying is we understand the human body, the human life, the human existence and what we are depends a lot on water. Take note that water was evident in the very beginning of creation, in the very beginning of creation, what God do? He separated the waters. Now, I don't begin to have the full concept of everything that went on in the creation, but outside of light, the adjustment of waters from the, the firmament were a part of God's earliest recorded creative acts. That's how important and how valuable water is and how much water is a part of our life and our, our sphere, our universe, and all of that water. And as we think about fundamental aspects, fundamental aspects of the Christian life, and even think about the ministry of Jesus, how often was water involved in it? You think about how many times water was involved in the crossing of waters, of of being in the water, of the baptizing in waters, of turning water into wine, of telling people to go wash in the waters and so forth. You think how often water was a part of the ministry of Jesus and his work. And as we pressed last week, it all begins with listening to God. Listening to God, and in that, that faith-building concept, we then surrender our lives to God. And Peter's response to the question, Peter's response to the question of those people on Pentecost, men and brethren, what shall we do, was repent and let everyone of you be baptized be immersed. They knew what he was talking about, and we read just a little bit later, 3,000 of them were that very day baptized. Repentance and baptism are presented as an initial response. They are the beginning. They are the right response. I want us to understand that. 
In a world that wants to make everything else, everything else stand out. In a world that wants to undermine the value of baptism as God presents it, it is important that we grab hold of this and recognize how important it was and how saving it was to the Israelites and even to us. So as we confront the idea or think about the water baptism, consider the water of Israel for a moment. Just go back to that story and maybe it gives some highlight to it. As God tells them, you shall camp before it, talking about a particular place, by the sea. Here they are. They've wandered this far. They are on a wandering journey, and it's brought them to the edge of the sea. Pharaoh, finding out, evidently having some spies along the way and watching where they went, Pharaoh thinks they've gotten out there, they've gotten lost, and he's beginning to recognize they're not going to come back this way. And so he takes his army out after them. He's going to go get them. And the Israelites, it doesn't seem that they really knew the difference at first. They were just following Moses, going where he, they were directed. They're following along, doing what they're supposed to do. But when they're confronted with the danger of the enemy, they begin to feel that fear and doubt. What in the world are we doing out here? And they can look around themselves. We've got Pharaoh's army out here. We've got the sea behind us. What in the world are we going to do? We've got nowhere to go. We're out here to die. And what they do, one of the smartest things they did was they cried out to the Lord, it says. And it seems that even Moses, while he's believing in God, I mean, he's trusting God, he doesn't know exactly what to do at this point. God's going to fight for us. God's going to take care of us. You can see that in him, but he doesn't know what to do. And the Lord basically says to Moses, why are you guys standing around hollering? Get up and start moving. Get that rod, hold it out over the sea, and let the people go through. God instructed them where and how to go. And where was it? Through the water. Safety was on the other side of the water. Think about that. Safety was on the other side of the water. Why in the world make them go through the water? Could the Lord have just wiped out Pharaoh and his army? Sure he could have. Just in a plague, send a million angels out there, just wipe them out if he wanted to. Or just darkness, whatever. God could have done anything he wanted right then. But he sends those Israelites through the water. Think about that. They could have escaped earlier. They could have gone a different direction, but they didn't. Well, the world of Pharaoh and the world in general would not have seen the power of God if it had not happened this way. You see, it wasn't the nature of the sea or human ingenuity that saved them on this occasion. Dependence on God's magnificent power was seen and displayed and driven home in the minds of anyone who saw this and anyone who heard about it later. They knew what God had done. These Israelites would know and remember this event. They would know that this took place. They would know this could be done no other way. They could know that God had done this. There is some real significance to this event, and that even as they are in the water, even as they go into the water in the direction, even as they go into that water, and I realize they're walking between the waters on dry ground, I understand that, but even as they march basically through the sea, nothing can get them. 
Pharaoh's army tries, but can't touch them. Pharaoh's army goes in after them, but can't touch them. When they went at God's instructions, they were untouchable. I think it's worthy to note that God's purposes, God's directions, are not always obvious to us in the moment, and they're not always told. But often when we look in reverse, providence is often seen best in that rearview mirror. You see, faith in God gave them the opportunity then to, to escape the slavery of Egypt. And they were out there, and they celebrated, and they were excited about it. But it was... It was this event, it was the events of the water and the sea that brought them to actively engage, to do something very threatening, to do something that would not have been normal, to engage and live the salvation that he offered. It was on the other side of the water that they found the safety that they needed from Egypt and Pharaoh and all of that. I just think it's a great story. You know, we think about the miracle, we think about the marvelous thing, but I think they went through the water to get there. Sometimes we don't often see the illustration, we don't often see the story for what it can be to us and understand the significance of what was going on there. Now, I'm not saying that God put them through the sea just so that later we could say, you go through the water for salvation, but doesn't it make a great interesting parallel for we too have been called to the sea? In Acts 2 and verse 39, Acts 2 and verse 39, it says, For the promise to you, Peter's words, for the promise to you is to you and to your children. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. What I'm saying is we have the the instruction, we have the call of God, we have the determination set before us. We too have been called to that figurative sea. In our lives, we, prob- we can recount the courses of our lives and how we got to where we are this day. We can tell of the people that influenced our lives. We can tell of the choices that were good, bad, and indifferent along the way. We can tell of all the things that happened in our lives, the ones of us that can still remember some of those, and how we got to where we are. But I want you to know something in this. We did not accidentally come to the water. It may have been incidental, But it was not accidental. There were choices. There were people. There were things that that were in our lives. Something brought us to the point. Something brought us to the understanding. Something brought us to the edge of that water. God may have directed those Israelites to the edge of the sea. Moses may have been at the head of them. It may have all brought them there. But there they were. And they needed to be there. They didn't go there by accident. They didn't go there specifically by choice. They went there because that's where life was taking them as they followed. And the choices that they had made along the way. They were there. Something brought us to where we are. Something brought us to the edge of that water. Something brought us there. We can think about it. Maybe we were in a family that that helped us get there. Maybe we married a mate that helped get us there. Maybe a friend that encouraged us, took us to a vacation Bible school or a Sunday school class that brought us to a worship. Maybe we had a family member that brought us to simply be in the right place at the right time to hear the right message. Maybe something brought us. And you say, well, we didn't intend that, so that's an accident. I think it's incident. 
by those things that we get there. You see, we don't, we don't run to the doctor because we don't have something wrong. I don't remember the last time anybody came up to me and said, hey, I went to the doctor today. Why did you go to the doctor? Well, I was feeling great. I thought everything was wonderful. I just thought I'd go spend a couple hours at the doctor today. We just don't do that. But when we recognize there's something of value to be gained, when we recognize there's something wrong that needs to be changed, when we recognize there's something that we need out of this, that's when we recognize I've got to be there. We don't treat a need we don't have. When there's a cause or a reason and we're confronted, that's when we go. That's when we reach deep. That's when we do what we have to do. So what I want to share with you briefly, what I want to share with you here in short is, is this. There are some real parallels I see. There's some real parallels in baptism to what the Israelites saw on that occasion. When we find them at the sea, they were in need. When we find ourselves at the sea, it's because there is a need. And I want, I'm speaking about humanity and I'm speaking about us. And you say, but my baptism was 50, 60, 70, 80, 120 years ago. I won't call names. But you think about that. And you think about where you were. And you think about what brought you to that point. I think there are some real parallels in baptism that we need to see. Because when, number one, when we are on the other side we realize the desperation of our situation. I've told you about my, one of my dearest friends growing up. One of my dearest friends growing up, the night before he was baptized, he and I talked about it, and we were waiting, and he's sitting in his bed crying. I was out of town. He was crying. Don't think bad of him. He's a great guy. And uh, his mother found him and said, what's worrying you? What's bothering you? And that was it. He worried about his situation. What if I'm lost today? What if I die today? It's a good thing to consider. I know we all fall into the hands of God. I know God is just and right, and I'm not trying to be God's judgment. But when we are on the other side of it, we may realize the desperation of our situation. Remember the words of those people on that Pentecost when Peter reached that high point? This Jesus whom you've crucified, God. God raised him up. God has made him both Lord and Christ. And what did they do? They said, cut to the heart. They said, man and brother, what shall we do? When on the other side, we realize the desperation of our situation. Number two, when we respond, when we are baptized, it is a statement of faith and commitment. It's not just an act to fulfill. It's just not something you have to do to get the job done. It's not something just to be there and say, okay, God requires, I'll go dip in the water and get it done. You know, I think about Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5 when he went to that river. I don't know what he really believed when he went to the river. His servants had said, if he'd ask you to do something great, wouldn't you do it? So he went and dipped in that river, and he dipped six times, and he still had leprosy. But you know what? He dipped one more time. He dipped one more time, and the leprosy was gone. It is a statement of faith 
and commitment. Philip asked that Ethiopian on the road that day as he was there with him in his chariot and preaching to him of Jesus. In verse 37 of Acts chapter, Acts chapter 8, Philip said, if you believe, when the Ethiopian said, here is water, they've come to the water, here is water, what's stopping me or hindering me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe, you may. It is a statement of faith and commitment. Just like I said of, of, of uh, Paul's statement about Ananias coming to him in Acts 22 and verse 16 as he recounts that event. And he said, Ananias said, and why do you... Why do you hesitate? Why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. It is a statement of faith and commitment. And thirdly, we need to recognize that only faith in the power of God gives it strength for us. We can go and jump in every swimming pool in town. We can go out here in the river if you want to. Dunk yourself under the water. And it's not going to do anything but get you wet and cold. But it's God that gives the power to baptism. It's God that makes it effective. It's only by the sacrifice of Jesus. It's because of the likeness of his death and his resurrection. It's God that gives it strength. It's not just the act itself. It's not the way washing away the filth of the flesh, as Peter said in 1 Peter 3.21. It is the answer of a good conscience, a faith in God and what he is working. Fourthly, it is about leaving the past behind us. That's what Paul was writing in Romans 6. You're buried with him by baptism into death. You're raised to walk in newness of life. He begins that paragraph in that section by saying, should we continue in sin? No, we don't continue in sin. We don't carry the past with us about that. It is about leaving the past behind. It's about putting it off. It's about beginning new. It is about truly, as he says there, a newness of life. It is about leaving the past behind, raised up to walk in newness of life. As Christ rose from the dead, you also rise up and walk in newness of life. Paul gets across there in that passage. And so it is about leaving the past behind. And then fifthly, it is about trust. It is about trust in what God has done. And it is about trust in what God will continue to do. Continue to do what is seen and even what is not seen. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and also the evidence of things, what does it say? not seen. It is a trust that God will continue to do what we do see and even what we do not necessarily see. So let me give you a couple more thoughts with this because of the value and the importance of this. I think in a similar way to the Israelites following Moses following him into, between the waters of that sea and onward toward that promised land. Baptism is a commitment of life and where we are going. 
1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 and 2 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He's drawing the illustration of that faith that pulls us onward toward God that they committed and made that commitment there. There are sometimes people who say that baptism is just the thing that you do once you're saved or that natural response to having been saved. But I want you to note, it took the crossing through the water for Israel to be saved. It took the going through the water for Noah and so for us. And as I said, Peter parallels the baptism, the act of baptism to going through the water and there finding the salvation promised by God. The like figure, he says, in speaking about Noah and and going through the water, baptism does also now save us. Not the washing away the filth of flesh, not just the water over the body, but the act of a good conscience, a mind devoted to, committed to, doing God's will. The big question of what we are to do has some basic answers, and this is one of them. Faith, repentance, and baptism are truly, absolutely, integrally necessary. They are necessary beginnings. And I want you to go away from here today with the absolute assurance that salvation, salvation is about, in part, and fulfilled through going through the water. This morning we're going to sing a song of encouragement. Let it be a song of invitation. Maybe there's someone who's never submitted to God, never truly obeyed the gospel, never been baptized into Christ. I want you to consider that very carefully. If you're convinced of that today, we're in readiness for you. If your hope is to rest in Him, maybe you need to think more and study more. We'll gladly assist you in that today. Maybe there's another need you have to make known. But any way the case is before you, if you need to respond publicly this morning, please do so while we stand and sing together.